and welcome back to the Learning to Sit Still podcast. I am excited about today's episode because I have a very special guest. As Sanctity of Human Life Sunday is coming up this weekend, I invited Lori Drakes to share her story. If you have read the Winter Magazine, you will be familiar with the ministry, if not for grace. And Lori is the founder. Today, we will learn more about her, why she started this ministry, and the impact it has had. I promise you will enjoy this episode so much. But As technology does not always work like we hope, there are a few glitches in the program as our connection had some issues, so please be patient and I appreciate your understanding. With that in mind, here is my conversation with Lori. Hi, Lori. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Yes. So for those who are listening, um, I met Lori via Instagram. Instagram just tends to be this wonderful place where people just meet and and have conversations. Um, So I was doing an Instagram live with Robin, who most of you are familiar with. She does the beautiful recipes that are in each edition of the magazine. And Lori popped on and was listening and she enjoyed the conversation. She went and bought her copy of the magazine. And then we started getting to know one another more. And suddenly I realized Lori had this amazing background of this ministry that really was something that linked with what I do, um, that I've been involved with for 13 years with a pro-life ministry, but she does the other side of it. So we talked back and forth for those who have bought the winter magazine, they will see her ministry featured in there that she began called if not for grace. And, uh, they shared their, um, article, their ministry and what they do. So if you haven't read it, definitely, um, if there are any copies left, there may not be any more sometimes we sell out, but, um, definitely read more about that. Um, and I know I will have links in the, the show notes for this ministry. So I really want you guys to know about it, but first I want to talk with Lori a little bit, just get to know her and her heart. So tell us just a little bit about yourself, Lori, or a lot. It's totally up to you. Okay. Well, first and foremost, I've been passionately pursuing Christ for over 35 years. And um, I've been married to my husband, uh, Charlie, for 41 years. We actually celebrated our 40th anniversary um, on Big Island, Hawaii, uh, last summer. And so that was really awesome. Um, We currently live in Washington State. Um, We are just south of Seattle. And we've been here for uh, five years, almost five years. And we moved here from Kansas City, Missouri, where both my husband and I grew up um, all of our lives. And we raised our children there. And um, I have two boys, two grown boys. Um, uh, My oldest has been married for 18 years and um, has my five grandchildren, um, ages 17 to seven. And, um, And then our youngest son, Tyler, is single. And he's pursuing his hobbies of fishing, hunting, um, and playing with the grand or playing with his nieces and nephews. Um, and so that's what he does in his spare time. And so, um, all of them live in North Idaho and have been for almost two years now. And so they're about a six and a half hour drive for my husband and I, and we love to go visit them. So, um, 
my husband and I, in our spare time, we love to hike and cycle. We love the pack Northwest. We love living near the ocean and living near the mountains. And um, we're both involved in our church. Um, and we also are both involved in Bible study fellowship. Um, I've been a group leader for, I believe, four years now and been involved in it for at least seven, maybe eight years. Um, and my husband was actually involved before me. So that's kind of how I got involved, um, as well as a recommendation from a friend. So, okay. I, I love, um, I do love the, the West coast. It has a beauty all its own. And my mom, we visited once in Washington and she loved the apples. So I remember we flew out there. So she emptied our luggage of good, of non-essentials and stuffed it full of apples and took all that back <laughs> with us. <laughs> She just was so enamored with them. They're so good and delicious. I remember mm. when I think of Washington, I think of always the apples and uh, I know Idaho and all those places are super close to you guys. So I know it's just, it's a yeah. beautiful, beautiful place. And I love hearing about your family. Um, but definitely your ministry was just so it was unique to me. It was not something that I'd heard of those of us who have um, worked with the pro-life ministry. We know the end of working with the moms as they are expecting that we are mm -hmm. trying to encourage them to carry, but you took on a whole new side of it that really, I just was like, I remember hearing, I was like, this is such a great ministry that I did not know existed. So definitely just kind of tell us more about it and, and what led you to begin this ministry. Okay. Well, one of the things I really liked about the name of your ministry was sit still my daughter because typically in, when we get into that place that we will sit still long enough for the Lord to speak to us, <laughs> um, he has some, something pretty profound to say. And um, I was in a place, I believe it was back in 2002 when um, I joined a prayer group at my church. And to be honest, it was kind of a last ditch effort um, to just really press into the Lord um, because I was really struggling in, in our marriage. Um, we, at that point, we had been Christians for, you know, 20 some years. And I just wasn't experiencing the abundant life that I read about as I pursued Christ. And um, we, we seemingly had it together on the outside. And um, that inside, we were very broken individuals. Um, I, um, as I started this prayer group at church, one evening I was praying just, you know, just a normal prayer. And I really felt the Lord speak a scripture over me. And it was out of Joel two, um, I believe verse 12 is where it started, but it talks about, um, if you will rend your heart and begin with fasting and weeping and mourning, I will restore the years the locusts have eaten. And it just felt like a, a dart penetrated my heart and I began to sob. And um, I really believe that um, the Lord was wanting to expose um, the sin that I had done so many years prior to that. It was, it was over 23 years that I had kept that secret of having had an abortion um, only with my husband and I, we experienced uh, our abortion when I was in college, my freshman year in college, and nobody knew about it. And um, I didn't really, I, I didn't know of abortion. Um, 
I think, you know, as I looked back, I probably saw it in a movie. Uh, there was one of those movies back in that time frame. I remember, I can't remember the name of it, but where they talked about abortion, but I, I hadn't known anyone who had ever had one. Um, but all I thought about is this is ruining my life and I have to move on and um, this just can't happen to me. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, I told my husband, I, my boyfriend at the time um, and that I was pregnant and um, he told me that he would support me, but I told him if he wasn't for me um, moving forward, you know, not going through with the pregnancy, then he was against me. And so he loved me and didn't want me to, you know, turn away from him. So he just supported me in that role. And um, I went to my very best friend and um, I asked her, you know, what I should do. And I actually found out that she had, her older sister had had an abortion a year prior to that. And they were actually a pastor's family. So they had kept the secret themselves. And so she's the one that actually led me to Planned Parenthood. And um, I never even heard of Planned Parenthood. (laughs) That's how sheltered I guess I was. But um, I went in, they told me that it was a safe, simple procedure. And when it was over with, my life would return to normal. And that is exactly what I wanted to hear. And so um, as we um, as we went, as I went through with the abortion, um, I remember being in the recovery room and girls were just crying, sobbing. And at that point I knew I had done something terribly wrong. Um, but as I went out to the car, um, with my boyfriend and we, it was just kind of an unspoken thing that we would never talk about this ever again. And we didn't, there was only two times in that 23 years that we had ever, ever spoken about it. And, um, it went something like this. What do you think it was? Mm. And the first time he just ignored me and didn't answer. And the second time he did, he answered me and he said, I know what it was. And that was the first time I really realized that he might be going through some of the same pain and guilt and shame and loss that I had been going through. And so, um, you know, kind of fast forwarding um, to when the ministry started, um, I just, I knew that God was shining a light on a very dark place in my life. Um, That I really, at that point, had enough relationship with him that I knew he was exposing it for my good and for his glory. And so I just kind of stepped into that. um, And I really felt like I was supposed to share that with my church. I had a really strong relationship with my church family, my pastor. um, uh, But I really felt like God was just giving me the boldness and the courage to to go to him and ask him if I could speak um, um, on Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. At that point, I was aware of that. I used to listen to it on Focus on the Family all the time. (laughs) And and so I asked him, and immediately after I had asked him, um, I remember just, uh, you know, being so scared, so frightened. What have I, I've opened up a can of worms. What have I done? (laughs) Um, 
But at the same time, I just felt such an unction from the Holy Spirit that I was supposed to have done this, um, that I just kept kind of moving forward. And so at the time, um, I actually worked at a Christian uh, marketing company and I had opportunity every once in a while to read a magazine. And um, I actually opened up World Magazine and it was on, on the front cover. It was the 30th anniversary of Roe versus Wade. And um, I, be, I began to look at, look at the magazine and saw the statistic that 30 million babies had been lost to abortion. But what really stood out for me personally was that for every baby that had been lost, there was a mother and a father, perhaps like Charlie and I, that had lost a child. And that, it, for that reason only, I felt even more drawn to sharing my story. Um, and so I did, you know, a little bit of internet searching and, you know, like, you know, what goes on with sanctity of human life and, you know, found all kinds of pro-life links. And I actually found out that there was a ministry that was going to be held, um, a, a group was going to be um, meeting together at the Missouri State Capitol the, the day prior to me sharing my story on Sunday at church. And I really felt compelled to go. And um, so I got there and I arrived and there was probably, you know, anywhere from six to eight women that gathered in the Capitol Rotunda and, and we got there and the lady was sharing, um, you know, this is what our ministry is about. They were kind of about sharing your, they were really, I think the group was called silent no more. And they were talking about how, you know, once we share our story that there's so many out there that have had abortion, it might compel others to share their story. And as I heard that, I thought, eh, I'm just going to sit here and watch and, observe and see what happens. And as they were going around the circle, I just felt the Holy Spirit again, nudge me to start sharing a little bit of my, my own story. And after it was over, we um, were walking out back out to our cars and I'm walking out the door and a lady came up to me and her name was Beverly. And she was a, a, a legislative liaison with Concerned Women of America. And she asked me if I would be willing to share my story at a uh, legislative hearing for the 24-hour waiting bill. <laughs> and I remember just secretly laughing on the inside thinking, um, I'll pray about that and get back with you. <laughs> and I had no intention of getting back with her. <laughs> um, but I had a two-hour drive home and the Lord was just, he was speaking to my heart. And I knew he was up to something. And, um, and so I, as, as I was driving, I, I felt even more prepared to share my story um, at church. And um, so I did that. And in the middle of sharing my story, um, I actually saw a woman from my hometown where I had grew up, where I actually was pregnant and had the abortion. And she just stood out among 1,500 people in the audience. And um, I remember just fear, just a sudden rush of fear thinking, you know, what are people going to think of me? She's going to go back and tell all these people, you know, that I had an abortion. And 
but it was just like a, a split second um, emotion. And I just continued on through my talk. And after it was over, um, the staff had put my information in the bulletin, my contact information. And within a week's time, I had 12 women contact me, contact me and say, um, thank you for sharing your story. That was me. That was my story. And it really was at that point that I knew that God was calling me um, to serve the abortion wounded. And I think there, there's just so much, I mean, I could listen to this. This is very, I think it's very vital that we share. Um, I, I've said this for, for a long time that the reason we share our story is to give people hope. Mm -hmm. It tells people that there is a light beyond what they can see that this is a season, not a settlement, because I do feel that a lot of us, when we get into this, that's how we feel. We just feel like there's no one that's going to understand us. No one's been through this. And then the shame hinders us. You know, you feel like that's what, what the devil uses to, to keep us confined is that he says, you don't want to talk about it because what are people going to say? What are they going to think? Like you thought, and we don't understand that there's such freedom that comes yes. when you share and how much freedom you can give to somebody else that they yeah. finally have the courage to say, I, that's me. And that you don't know how many people needed help, but they were afraid to reach out for help. They didn't know where to go. But when you connect with one person who resonates with your story, you finally have, it's like a, 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 a lifeline has been thrown yeah. to you. And I think that has been a um, movement that's been seen in, at least in the last 15 years. We've seen that more and more as women are having the courage to share their story. They're mm -hmm. not doing it to brag or to, because a lot of them would prefer many ways to say to stay silent, but they're mm -hmm. realizing that there's power in sharing your story. Yes. And I think that that's just something that is, is powerful. And that, you know, what happens is that some people like you share your story, you see the need and you take the next step and you're mm -hmm. like, well, what can I do? It's almost as if people, when they get saved, they need more than that. They need mm -hmm. discipleship. They need that next step. And you were in tune with that and realized what can, else can I do? What's the next step? Because sometimes yeah. The beginning of the healing is just opening up, but there's more that needs to happen. And I think you caught that you realized what else can I do here to help? And I love that, that what you said kind of is, is just God is good. Even when he exposes us because mm -hmm. it's for our good. And I liked how you brought that about because it doesn't feel good, but it's yeah. for our good. And you were kind of bringing that out. And I, I liked that, um, and that he gives you the boldness yes. to do that. And I think the, the other thing that's amazing is that what happens when you push your fear aside and you embrace what he said and you move forward and yes. look what happened, what would have happened if you never would have done that? How many, how many things would have missed out? This ministry would never have been born if you wouldn't have stepped out. And right. I think that's powerful there. Yeah. Yeah, I really felt like God was really confirming that too, you know, because 
I went back to prayer. I went back to his word where, where truth is. And um, the vision scripture for the ministry was out of Isaiah 61, one through three, where it says the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor and bind up the brokenhearted and set the captives free. And um, that was my greatest passion because I did not want people to live in bondage like I had for 23 years. Let's let's move forward. Let's find that freedom. And so that's where my greatest passion for the ministry was Mm -hmm. um, for people to live that authentic, abundant life. Yes. And I, I do think, and that's definitely something that I want the people in the audience to understand. And we've, I've mentioned it before, but if you've not had an abortion, you don't understand but, and, and, and I have not either, but I've worked with, you know, for 13 years with a pro-life ministry. So I've talked with women, numerous women, and we sometimes who haven't had an abortion get this idea. Well, you know, time heals all wounds. Not necessarily. I, I've talked with women, they're 20 and 30 years beyond this, and they're still hurting. Some have not even formed the connection that that's the problem, that that's yeah. what's been festering inside of them. And so a ministry like yours comes along and you're not just helping them open, you're helping them heal. And I, I just, I love that so much. And so can you just kind of summarize really where it started? Like, you know, cause it's one thing to say, let's start one, but then what do you do? <laughs> cause that's a, that's a big undertaking to wh- where do you form that next step and kind of what was your ultimate goal with this behind, behind this ministry? Well, as I was saying, like, I, you know, the, the, the enemy comes to still kill and destroy. And Jesus says, I, I have come that you might have life and life abundantly. Um, and so knowing the statistic that I did and just those 12 women that, that came forward out of sharing that story, um, it, I continued that pursuit of, knowing that if God's calling me this, he's going to bring the people around me to help me do this thing. And so um, I initially got in touch. Um, I contacted Focus on the Family, um, knowing that they did Sanctity of Human Life. And I got in touch with Sidna Massey, who is the author of the recovery guide um, that the ministry uses called Her Choice to Heal. And so um, many women, you know, they're not acknowledging the shame and the pain of that decision. And that gives them an opportunity uh, to begin doing that. Um, and so we, we usually have coped in very unhealthy ways and, um, that process helps them to be able to cope in, in a healthy way. Um, and actually get to that last step of acknowledging the child and acknowledging the loss. And so as I began to go through that recovery guide on my own, um, I had another divine encounter with a, um, a person who was starting a, a brand new uh, pre- crisis pregnancy center, pregnancy resource center. And she hadn't really thought about the other side, like you were saying. And, um, and so it was a natural fit for us to come together. And she actually hired me to be the client services director. And I did that, but I also was doing, if not for grace, kind of on the side um, thinking that um, these women were going to come from the client base, that they actually came from the volunteer base, mm. and which was 
incredible to be not only um, volunteering for the pregnancy center side, but also for the uh, abortion wounded uh, side, abortion recovery side. And so um, I worked there for three years and um, developed the, the classes, ongoing classes, um, and then the retreat weekend that followed up to that, where we actually had uh, an opportunity for the women to invite another person to come with them. It could have been their husband who maybe either wasn't the post-abortive father or the abortive father like my, my husband and experienced that weekend together and then had that formal memorial service at the end. Um, and we were running those, um, uh, those classes and weekends um, ongoing two to three times a year for three years. And the ministry was growing so much that I couldn't handle my position as the client services director. We were right next door to Planned Parenthood and we had over a thousand uh, girls, a thousand clients our first year. And I just couldn't handle doing both ministries, but I knew that God was calling us to come out onto our own, uh, a non-for-profit ministry. And so he, you know, as he does, when he calls, he provides, he, when he calls, he equips. And um, he brought the board members and the volunteers, the person to help me with the application, all of it, you know, all of it came together. And um, within a year after I left the pregnancy center, we had gotten our letter of incorporation in 2008 and just continued on with what we were doing. Except at that point, we had to actually start raising our own funds because we were doing business as under the pregnancy center umbrella at that point. So um yeah, it was, it was an incredible ride and God was in it all. And I, I, I think I just, I love stories like that. I love, um, just how God brings people into the right time at the right moment, especially, you know, the, as I do, I work with a pregnancy resource center. So we are like, it's like that perfect fit because we serve both sides, but we don't always have the resources to serve those who have had an abortion. Mm -hmm. um, it's usually a small section of our side, but you've designated this entire, um, you know, resources and, and time. You have all of that just here and you have an expertise that is necessary. Um, Cause again, yeah. several of the people who do work in the pregnancy centers, they have a passion for it, but they have not had a past of it. And there is a big difference between the two. And when Huge. you can come in and have that, you, I've been in your shoes, it matters dramatically. And I think that that is just such a powerful story of the, the, the way it all came about. And I, I, I love that you, you were next to Planned Parenthood. I'm like, it's so interesting. <laughs> it was pretty that. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that. I love that, that thing there and how that worked yeah. out. And that's an, that's an amazing amount of people you see. That was a, a significant amount of I me. Mean, a thousand clients in a year is yeah. people think that's not a lot. That's huge. Very for, strategically placed. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I think that that is just uh, such a powerful, powerful part of your story. So tell me, Lori, how has this ministry and what you're doing impacted your own life? Hmm. All I can say in two words is just life transforming. Mm -hmm. If I hadn't gone through the hard work that it took to get to the other side, that was so worth it. Um, I, I couldn't have experienced all that God had for me. Um, not only in a personal way, um, 
meaning just me and my own skin, Lori, um, and being able to um, be relieved of that shame that I had been living in for so long. Um, you know, it was, I, I saw a quote the other day by Sheila Walsh. I can't remember exactly how, how it went, but it was just kind of talking something about a bridge uh, going through the hard work was a greater bridge to, you know, this freedom than staying in the silence. And, and I just, um, I finally was able to escape the pretending um, that everything's okay. Everything behind closed doors. I'm a great Christian. Everything's good with me and, and actually live it, <laughs> like live that life that was walking in freedom. Um, in, in my relationship with my husband, um, not that things changed overnight. Um, but all I can say is when I go back to the memorial service itself, and this is probably one of the biggest uh, parts of the ministry. Now you might work through the healing, going through scripture. And for some women, they've experienced more broken than brokenness than others, obviously. But for my husband and I, the deep, dark place of brokenness was not acknowledging our child and not mourning the loss. And so when my husband went forward with me at our weekend and we began to share all the things, just like you would at any memorial service of all the things that we uh, missed out on. Um, we love our two boys and to think that we had given up what we believed, um, was our daughter, um, to be able to talk about her in a way that was real and alive and, um, and tell her how sorry that we were for taking her life. Um, and just experiencing that deep, dark grief, um, the tears started and they never stopped it is, you know, you just almost can't put words to it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but after that experience was over, um, there was just a profound release and we were no, we were no longer hiding. We were no longer pretending. Um, in fact, <laughs> uh, we, we took a few steps that were, uh, we, uh, as the ministry got started that we taught a little more, um, how would you say it? Ways that you should and should do things. <laughs> and that was one was telling family. We were so excited about our newfound freedom that not everybody was excited to hear our story. <laughs> and so there are steps in telling people your story. And that was part of what we did in the ministry after um, men and women had, sh had shared the memorial experience was taking them through next steps was that uh, opportunity to give them supportive services that help them just know how to navigate that newfound freedom. Um, but together as a couple, it just opened the doorway for our relationship to grow deeper um, and to serve. You know, we, we have the opportunity now to serve others with our own story. And to, so to see uh, men and women being healed and freed 
uh, day after day, month after month, year after year. I mean, there was nothing, there's nothing like it. Mm-hmm. And um, even, even since um, stepping down as the executive director of the ministry the past five years, God continues to open the door, whether it be at church or whether it's in my Bible study fellowship classes, where, you know, that's part of who I am. That's part of my story. So I get to share that all the time. And um, statistically, one in four women have had an abortion um, before the age of 45. And um, so we know statistically they're around us all the time. And um, I actually, within the past five years, um, had an elderly woman tell me her story. And her husband was the only one who had ever known. And um, you know, that was sad, that very, that saddened me that she had went all those years and didn't really get to experience that. But, um, so, you know, the, the opportunity to use my story for his glory, um, as Isaiah 61 goes on to say that, um, to be a display of his splendor, um, that's the greatest reward that I could have for how God's used, um, what the enemy intended for harm in my life. Um, for his good and others benefit. Yeah. And I think that is true, Lori, that, um, and I know for my own, again, I haven't had an abortion, but uh, coming into the ministry that I worked with the pro-life movement, you think you're coming in to do a work, but you walk away transformed yourself in multiple facets. And I think, um, I think that is true on, on any side, you know, I remember I, I experienced so much learning and growth ministering into the pro-life volunteer basis. And I know for you, the same, you know, you went in trying to be a blessing to those ladies, but you ended up receiving such a blessing yourself. So, um, I, I love that aspect about your story. And I think it's important for people to remember that, assisting others is a good thing, but you'll often walk away assisted and blessed in ways you never knew. So I just love that part and that, you know, the ministry did impact you and you and your husband both experienced um, help in your own way and received such a blessing. You know, you did mention that you no longer are in this this ministry as far as, as the executive director, I think you mentioned you stepped down. So I stepped down from the executive director position um, back in 2018. Um, It had been a really tough year. My mom passed away. Um, My kids had moved to Washington state um, just prior to that. And um, a lot of different variables, but um, I really felt like I had been being nudged um, for probably a couple, two to three years, um, prior to that, um, that possibly the Lord was, um, just moving me on. And, um, I really felt like that someone might take the reins, um, next that would take the ministry to the next level. And so one of my heart's desires, even from the beginning of the ministry, I, um, I've been accused, not, I shouldn't say accused. I've been told a lot that I have a lot of big vision <laughs> and, and it's hard, for, hard for me to rein things in. Um, so I, I just saw this ministry 
going national and globally and, and, um, the, you know, the, the, the almost 15 years that I was, um, in the ministry, we were continuing to grow and make an impact, um, in the greater Kansas city area. And, um, and it was little by little that we started serving people in surrounding states. Um, but when COVID hit, um, it opened the door for our classes going online. And thankfully we had um, set the groundwork for that um, the past three years that I was in the ministry. And um, we had a lot of great people on staff that um, made that vision come alive. And so when Renee Kitchen um, uh, was hired as the new executive director, um, that, that, framework was in place for her to just take that baby and run with it when uh, they started doing the online classes. And um, I can't remember the numbers right now, but they have served people in states as far as um, I know this for sure from Washington, because I actually mentored a girl from here that went through the classes and the reconciliation weekend, her and her husband. Mm -hmm. And um, that was awesome. And so they've had people from many, many, many states and now globally as well uh, through the online classes. And so um, God brought just the right person in for the next um, time frame for the ministry. And, um, and I'm still the founder and, and still sharing my story. And, and I love doing that part of it and being a champion, continuing to be a champion for the ministry. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of wonderful, beautiful friends from there. So. Yeah, I, I have um, emailed Renee. I have not met her in person or, or um, FaceTimed or anything, but she's such a sweet, encouraging person. And yeah, again, yeah. her touch in the article was beautiful uh, for those that have read the, the winter edition. So I, I, I loved I loved her sweet spirit. And you can tell she's yeah. passionate about the yeah. ministry. Um, yeah. So now tell me a little bit. This is something that I think often gets ignored with people. Um, that the men are, are affected by the abortion. We don't consider that just because, well, they didn't have it. No, but Mm -hmm. they experience a loss just as your husband, you did not talk about it. It was taboo really for you. you. So in, I know that's what is a beautiful aspect of your ministry is that you do minister partly to the men, I believe, from what I understand. So maybe you can yes. just talk about that and just talk really sometimes, you know, I think we, we've missed that the men do get affected. And I would like to hear just a little bit on that. Yeah, I think with my husband and I story, um, that kind of just opened it up for that side. Um, as we shared, now he didn't ever share, but as I shared our story together, I think that's when people started realizing. And so that was my, actually my favorite part of the ministry was um, community awareness and going out and sharing with churches and donors and possible donors and um, even you know people in the the um, uh, the business world. I mean, they were you know it, it's not it doesn't just affect the church. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I was out in the community all the time sharing my story and and so I think what we really saw was that many times marriages don't stay together because of the abortion. We were very unique in our story um, because it does affect um, 
couples in such a dramatic way, whether they ended up even getting married after having had the abortion together, let alone staying together married. Um, but what we found was when the women and men came to the, the reconciliation weekend, um, because he wanted to support his wife, whether he was supposed to board a father or not, the healing that happened in their marriage as a result was phenomenal. Um, but also just the healing personally, uh, you know, uh, healing goes through cycles, right? You have to go through the denial stage. You have to go through the resolution stage. You have to go through the grief stage. And as we went through those stages within um, that setting, uh, freedom was had for many people that didn't have anything to do with the abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, for men to be able to acknowledge their, the loss of their own child, um, we had men come that were single, that they didn't know where their girlfriends ever went after that. Um, but they knew that they had supported an, an abortion, whether they just paid for it or they supported the person through the abortion. Um, they needed to heal. One of the first prayer meetings that I did um, after being in the ministry at my church uh, was held, I think, as a result of the next Sanctity of Human Life. And men were coming forward saying, you know, I paid for an abortion and I need healing. I, I need, uh, I want to acknowledge the loss of my child. And so, yeah, it's it's very painful for men too. Mm. And I, I love that. I think that, you know, especially for myself working in this ministry, I know that, um, it was not, it's not something that's even talked about much on our side as a pregnancy resource center, but it is important. And, you know, we do, we did get a few stories across our desk of men that would come forward. I think you look at the women and we are naturally talkers. We like to share We're, we're more that that's in our, our, our DNA, but it's hard enough for us to express ourselves with such a tender story and an experience, let alone for men who are not naturally as expressive for them to come forward. But it doesn't mean that neither of them hurt any less. Okay. And I think that's something that we've just missed all these years. And I love that you tap into that. You saw a need and you included them. And then mm-hmm. when, when you did open the door, there were men that did step through that did really freely say I needed, I need help or that this was in some ways the elephant in the room in their marriage. And when they finally were able to discuss that there was such freedom for everyone. And I yeah. love that, that you, you did not ignore the men. Yeah. Yeah. They are ac- actually doing uh, separate classes now for the men. Um, because we had so many men after coming to the reconciliation, because that was the first step for them, where the women had already gone through the Her Choice to Heal recovery classes. And they felt like the women had gotten so much more healing by doing both, that they wanted to go through classes themselves to get that deeper healing. Mm. So yeah, they're, they're actually um, running classes, particularly for men now. I love that. I, I know yeah. that um, I, the only, the only prior to your ministry, the only um, curriculum I was aware of was um, PACE, post-abortion, is that education? I think. Yeah, I've heard it. Yeah. It's yes. an old one. I've heard of that one. Yeah. Many so, years ago. But again, even in there, the men were not as 
as uh, discussed in that one. So I, I love that your, your ministry ministers to everyone. Um, yes. and again, like you said, it, it impacts more. It, and I think in general, any of these ministries, whether it's the pro-life side, as far as the pre-abortion to those in your aspect, there is a ripple effect of help and would, healing. Yeah. I was just getting ready to say that. And it wasn't just men and women. It was grandmothers. When they found out that their granddaughter had aborted a child, they were devastated. So it doesn't matter who you are. If you've experienced abortion directly or indirectly, um, we want to be able to minister to that need. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when you have that healing, that healing also overflows into other things like, you know, so here's the, this woman, she receives healing, but her marriage receives healing then maybe relationships also outside yeah. of that, her children, whatever, they receive healing. And then you have people who are healed that are coming into the churches more whole. And now mm -hmm. they're able to minister. I mean, for you, mm -hmm. you're a, a wonderful example. You had this experience of healing, which led you to begin a ministry, which is now empowering these other ladies to share their story. It's a ripple effect. Um, yeah. It can be good or bad. And this one is just a beautiful ripple that God, they started when you said yes to God. And I think we, we underestimate a yes sometimes just how far that yes really can go. Yeah. Yeah. And I would, add, I would add that when you go through the brokenness and you can begin to receive the mercy of God and share that mercy and grace of God with others, I never in my wildest dreams thought that when my grandson I believe he was about three years old. And at that point I was full on in the ministry and I had different things in my, my home office. Um, I had a little fetal model uh, and in my office and he knew at that point because of what I did that I worked with women who had lost babies to abortion. It just was a part of our life. Mm -hmm. And he asked me if that's what Hannah looked like when she died. And so I think what we're doing is we're providing deeper, uh, not just education, but a deeper spiritual walk with others. When we can talk about brokenness and the grace of God, he is always running after us, pursuing us and chasing us and wanting us to repent and wanting to offer us his compassion and his restoration. I mean, that's the book of the whole Bible. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. that that is why, you know, the two attributes of God that are long is his long suffering, his patience. He patiently yeah. waits just as the prodigal son's father went every day. Yeah. He was continuing to do that. You don't, we don't even know how long he was gone, but he, he went every day patiently waiting. And then his mercy is everlasting. It, it, yeah. it's just, it, it keeps coming. It keeps coming. It doesn't, it has no end. Yes. And they, I think they, they, they work together. He's patiently mm -hmm. waiting to administer the mercy you need in an endless abundant source. And if people were to really just contemplate that, I think their mind would really be blown. Yeah. It, it still grabs me that that's who he is. He's not, mm -hmm. Yes, he is a God of judgment. There will come a time when we are judged for our actions, but he's also a God of love, a God of mercy. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, if you, you know, I can forgive these things. I can remove them if you let me. 
but he never pushes. And I love, I just, you know, how can you not love our God? Yeah. There's just so yeah. much, the more you study about <laughs> him and, and you're just enamored more and more. And you, you realize just how good he is. And we miss yeah. that, I think. Yeah. And I think there's a misconception that we can just get over abortion mm. by, oh, I've confessed it to God. But that's why the butterfly has been the symbol at If Not For Grace um, from its inception. It was, you know, a butterfly doesn't become a butterfly until it beats its wings against its cocoon. And if you don't allow that process to happen, that that butterfly just flops out a wet, ugly moth. Um, if you try to open that cocoon before it's gone through the hard work mm. of healing. Um, and so as much as we try to avoid the hard work of healing, it's only on the other side of that healing that we can experience true freedom. Mm. And I think, I do think that that is why it's, it's almost vital for others to come alongside. I yes. really think that, um, I remember, I, I may have shared it with, with the audience before, but they don't mind if I share it again. Um, <laughs> I went my last year of going to Christian camp I was 18, getting ready to be 18 at that time. And they, we walked in for an event and it was, you know, there's a concrete floor and there were boxes taped off in that blue masking tape, big old boxes. And the, so there was a bunch of girls and, and the, the leader said, the, there's a path through here for you to find, but you don't know where it is. And it's really going to be found by trial and error. So you're just going to go one at a time. You step in a box. I'll let you know if it's a yes or no, if it's a no out and yes, keep going, take another step until you find it. So the problem was we couldn't say anything. Now for girls, that's really hard. Um, <laughs> we could just nod our heads. Yes or no. And oh my goodness. It was just, we really worked very hard at it. <laughs> But there was such a, it, what was fascinating was that from the, cause we all gathered on the sidelines, you know, one at a time we got our, our friend goes in and we're watching and we're nodding our heads, you know, as we progress through here, we could literally actually, be, you could actually begin to see the invisible maze. You, it really began to make sense to us that this is the path and you could just see it. But, and it happened to me as it did to every other girl, my turn came, I took my step and you knew where to go. And it was gone. I literally could not see it anymore. I was like, and you panic. You're like, where did it go? And you feel stupid. You feel incompetent and you feel lost. But I immediately looked to the girls on my left and there was no judgment. There was no Sarah, really? It was right there. They just looked at me and they were nodding and saying that, you know, pointing and helping and they worked it through and we, we successfully completed the, the event and won. And I never forgot that. That is what we need to be for each other. Because in those moments of crisis, in those moments when we are vulnerable and we need that healing, we're not always in a good position to make decisions. We just, we know the truth, but we don't know it at that moment. And you, you, I needed to be able to turn to them and have that help. I needed that comfort of you're going to be here. And they walked literally through it with me. I could not have done it without them. And I think whether it is, um, you know, girls that are in a crisis pregnancy or girls that have already experienced an abortion and need healing, they need you to be there, to walk with them, to love them and to gently guide them through the process. And there yeah. was such a relief 
at the end of it. And nobody felt stupid for, can you believe we all forgot how, where that path was because we were in the moment we we're in that box. And I just really just, I think I want to encourage people that are listening and, and others be willing to be on the sideline and to just help, because I know yeah. that it, it, it is monumental. You won't even know how much that means to somebody to get them through to that process of, of becoming the butterfly, you know, because yeah. if you, if people were to stamp on you, that butterfly might have a crippled wing. It might not reach its full potential because we've hindered it. And God calls mm -hmm. us to be compassionate. Why? Mm -hmm. So we can make a difference. Yeah. So I've always yeah. remembered that. Yeah, that's so good. So good. Yeah. Um, the incredible people that God has brought to the ministry, both those that have had a story and are on the other side, as well as those like yourself that haven't had that story, um, but have graciously extended the grace of God in ways that um, even from the beginning, I couldn't have even comprehended. Um, I was a little bit um, apprehensive even about those individuals helping with the ministry. And, um, and it's just been a beautiful thing that God has done to help people enter in to that type of brokenness. Cause we're all broken people. Mm -hmm. We all have a story. We're all broken people in need of God's healing and grace. So, yes, yes absolutely. Now, of course, if, um, if they're still, if people are still listening, sometimes they have to, to run and they may not have made it to the whole thing, but if you have made it this far, <laughs> what, <laughs> what are some ways that they can help? Because this, I know this ministry is not everywhere, but I know there will be people that would like to help or maybe need help or would like to become involved. What are some ways they can do that? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, pray. I mean, um, the spiritual warfare that's involved in this ministry, um, you can imagine. So prayers are so important. Um, pray that the women will call the ministry. They'll reach out to the website, um, that they'll get past those barriers that are keeping them in bondage. Um, get involved. Um, you know, use your spiritual gifts um, to be involved in the ministry in some way. Financial support, Sanctity of Human Life's coming up. Um, give a gift, a year-end gift. That's mm -hmm. always uh, important at the end of the year. Um, and maybe in, in honor of, of someone that you love. And um, But, you know, there's training, there's education, there's opportunities within the ministry itself of If Not For Grace um, for you to even be an ambassador at your church, to be a liaison to your church, um, just helping people be aware statistically of, you know, anytime you're in a room that one in four people around you have experienced that. And we all need to be a safe place for people to land. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes our really strong pro-life pro -life beliefs <laughs> can actually be a hindrance to the post-abortive. And so that's really important. Um, um, and I would just say, um, you know, um, just champion the ministry, champion these types of ministries, um, share with people. When, once you hear the information, people take it in for themselves, but they don't share about it. And God will provide those divine encounters as we share. So, mm. yeah, and I love, and I think I want to encourage people, you know, Sanctity of Human Life Sunday is, is coming up rapidly. Um, 
And I think you would agree to, you know, helping your ministry or helping uh, a pregnancy resource center. They're both have the same goal of helping. And, you know, there, I know there's a lot of them around. So definitely um, I'll, I will be posting the links to um, if not for grace website and as well as option line, which is a great place to look up pregnancy resource centers in your area. I promise they will not say no to you. Yes. <laughs> they yes. look for help. And we need to remember the times we're living in the pro-life movement. Any, anyone involved with this is getting hit hard. It is not a popular ministry to be in. They are looking for funding. They're looking for support. Yes. They're looking for volunteers and donations and, and just even those practical things like, um, stamps or paper for the printer. Yeah. I mean, these are just basic things. Yeah. We have a lady that, um, used that cleaned for the center that she cleans our center. That was amazing because we were freed up to do something else. So these yeah. are little, there's so many ways to help. And I just yeah. encourage, get your churches involved. You'd be amazed how many churches don't know these ministries exist. It is a wonderful resource for you to have. I promise, um, you will be blessed in whichever ministry you choose, but I, I do encourage people get involved. We say we're pro-life, but we need to put some action behind that. Yeah, It doesn't mean yeah. you have to be, you know, giving the, the millions of dollars, but just showing up. The yeah. widows might, praying, helping, sorting, just cleaning. You never know what you, being a, being a volunteer to greet guests at an event is super helpful. Yeah. I know working yeah. events can be a lot for staff and we love it when people come alongside and just help us out. So those are just some ways to get involved. And really there is something for everyone. I knew one family, they always brought their kids and they would help us set up for events and their kids were there to help. And they were six and seven and eight years old. And they literally, I watched them grow up into teenagers and they, yeah. they have a passion to help because their parents cultivated yeah. that. And I think it is as a parent, it is your job to cultivate that passion for right causes, to be yeah. bold in our faith and to put action to, to have a faith that lives itself out. And I think that's Absolutely. really encouraging to, to do as parents. And I've seen that. So, um, I know that there's, there's so much more we could discuss because we are having a yeah. marvelous time, marvelous. Time. Yes. I know, know the audience is too. Um, but I would like to kind of, as we, as we begin to wrap up, what is one thing that you would like to say to, to women who have had an abortion that may be still on the fence about seeking help. What would you say to yeah. that? Well, I would just say, you know, resolve in your heart that you're not going to let the fear of man keep you from experiencing the full fullness of Christ. Um, it's not worth it. Um, the abundant grace and compassion of our Lord Jesus Christ um, is there every step of the way through this process? Um, he longs to restore and fulfill his promises in you. And um, that risk of vulnerability, like we've talked about, um, it's, it's hard, it's painful. Um, there's a lot of work involved in, in uh, becoming more authentic in your story, um, but it's worth it all to be able to live that abundant life, that life in Christ, that fullness, that freedom. Um, and then I would also just add that uh, the ministry of If Not For Grace, um, they really do offer a safe, confidential environment with compassionate individuals who've been there. Uh, they've been trained. They understand. Um, and they're so easy to talk to. Um, 
And so they, they allow for that environment to be able to support you in every way that, that they can through the process. And it, and it doesn't end when you go through those three steps, um, which is the mission of the ministry to be able to provide those opportunities for restoration. Um, that don't wait another day. Um, I would say that um, call and reach out to them via the website. Uh, they're on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, and you'll be blessed as a result. And thank you, Lori. I, I know I, I definitely second that. Just um, I know it's not always easy to ask for help, but sometimes you need it. And it is helpful to know that it's a safe place to go. Because the, yeah. we we understand this is a very sensitive topic um, and it's Absolutely. not easy to share. And I promise that um, it will not be met with um, a callousness or um, that treated lightly. If it is, definitely talk to Lori. She will make sure it's all straightened <laughs> out. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> so, but I, I do know that anyone who's in this type of ministry is in it because they care. Because we all know that ministries like this, we are not making the big bucks. Yeah, we, we are serving because we truly have a passion to help people, and to we really care deeply, and we want you to experience that abundant life. And I know that Lori thinks the same. And I really appreciate you coming on here, Lori, sharing your story, um, you. and just um, you know sharing your wisdom and um, the hurts as well as. The, the, the hope that you've had. And I think that it's a beautiful story. I think it's an encouragement. I've been encouraged. Um, I walked away blessed. I always do. That's really, that's my secret. That's why I have interviews because I enjoy talking to these wonderful people <laughs> and you just get to enjoy the benefit of it. So, but I really appreciate you so, coming on here, Lori, and um, just sharing your story. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate it. Wasn't that a blessing? I enjoyed my conversation with Lori and hearing her passion to help women find healing through Jesus. We are called to make a difference and Lori's willingness to bravely follow the Lord's leading in sharing her story has allowed her to help so many who had similar experiences. I pray that we all are as bold and willing to follow the Lord as he speaks to our hearts about our next steps, whether it seems scary and unknown. If you would like more information about If Not For Grace, there is a link in the show notes for you, as well as a link to Option Line, which will allow you to find a local center near you. As someone who has worked almost 13 years with a pro-life ministry, I promise that your help support and prayers are greatly appreciated and valued. So please don't hesitate to call them to learn more. Thank you so much for joining me today and I pray you have a wonderful day.